Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. So the Buddha's teaching, it's, a, it's an incredibly comprehensive teaching and it, uh, it kind of works on many levels and it, it needs to because, uh, you know, what it's pointing, the Buddha's teaching is pointing us back to the truth of the way things are. And one of the translations for Dhamma is nature or natural and another is uh, the truth of the way things are. So the Buddha is pointing us back to this very simple, sweetly simple thing, that just the truth of the way things are. And somehow it's difficult for us to see it. So uh, you know, there are these different levels or different, um, not levels, but different layers of, of teaching and of practice. You know, there's the need to um, have a foundation in ethics. And that's not just to be a good person, although we do become a good person. It does, that is the result. But it's, it's because you know, ethics is to live in an ethical way, is to live in attunement with reality is greater attunement even if we we don't really understand that yet as we give up harming ourselves and others then we're living in a, in a greater attunement with the truth of the way things are so if we're having thoughts of harm towards others or towards ourselves then we're not really understanding that we are all part of each other. We are all co-arising here. And we're all made of the same elements, the same water, earth, warmth, or coolness, and, and air, very much, same breath. So when we want to harm another, we're, we're creating an other that we want to cause harm to. And when we want to harm ourselves, we're also creating an other. There's the one who wants to harm, and there's the one who we think we're harming. We're creating this division where there isn't really a division. So ethics whether we understand that or not in the beginning, it aligns, ethics aligns us, align us with reality. And for those who are awakened on the path, there's no, they don't need to have lots of presets and lots of you know, rules. It's just, it is a natural attunement to living you know, with, with uh, the understanding of our interconnectedness and how we affect each other. There's ethics, and then there's um, 
I find it really interesting that the Buddha emphasizes giving as a very important foundation for the path. And that this isn't just about, you know, hand over your money. It's not that, it's not just that. It's it's recognizing that we are all part of each other. And when we have the the you know, when we're afraid to be generous which I was at one time, I know how that feels, when we're afraid to be generous, when we don't trust outside, you know, the outside world enough to be generous, or when we're afraid that we won't get what we need, so we can't be generous, then that sense of separate self is very, very strong and quite uh, guarded. And when there's, a, when there's giving, and giving doesn't have to be material, when there is giving, it, we're, 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 we're relating to the world in a more true way. You know, if you look at nature, nature is endlessly generous, incredibly generous, coming forth with fruits and flowers and you know, medicines and foods and you know, trying to, cleaning the air for us that we so quickly want to keep polluting. Nature is just like amazingly, endlessly generous because it's interconnected, because it's part, everything's part of everything else. And we're part of that. But somehow we think ourselves into separation. And not just into separation, but often into um, superiority. There are people who believe that, many people who believe that they are above the laws of nature. They will have to learn at some point that that is just a dream. That uh, there are people who live as though they are above the laws of nature, and yet we are nature, we're part of nature. And so this emphasis on giving, so I've been reflecting on that quite a bit while I'm out here in Wales, of the Buddha's statement of if you understood the importance of giving the way I do, as he was saying, then you wouldn't let a day go by without giving something, without sharing part of your meal or giving something. And I, I was reflecting on that, you know, because he doesn't say exactly what it is that he understands about giving. So that makes me curious. So what does he understand? What is it? You know, and, and what comes to me is, well, it's it's an absolutely natural way of being. Everything is giving to everything else all the time. I mean, I'm not saying there's not, you know, that there's not there's of course there's killing and you know, there's, there's, uh, it's not all, I'm not saying it's all sweet and rosy, you know, but there is this natural um, reciprocity. Life is, is an experience, it is, a, it is an ongoing reciprocity, even just breathing, you know, we're sharing the breath with, with all living beings. The warmth in my body right now—it's not mine. It's not. I'm not going to. It's not. I'm not going to keep it. You know, it's, it's moving around. It's it's coming out into the room. It's it's being shared with other beings in the room, and it's going to go out the window at some point when I air the room. And you know, it's like it's moving around, and that's how things are. None of it's static. None of it's solid. None of it's mine. So. When I reflect on that uh, teaching on giving, 
by coming in. And that's, he's, he's reminding us to be attuned to the reality of things and to not, you know, the hoarding and trying to get more and more and make things safe and secure. You know, of course, we want to do that because it, and we need to to a certain degree. You know, we need to have basic requisites for life. But it's, there's also this thing of, you know, when every, when there's, when we're in the flow of giving, then there's, there starts to be a greater abundance. Not necessarily materially. It might be materially, it might not be, but there's a sense of a greater sense of abundance because we're not afraid and we're not holding on and we're not, you know, going contracting back into that small separate me and mine story. And then of course there's a meditation practice at the other level, another level of teaching on the meditation. And the meditation formal meditation is essential to get a, it's like if we don't ever sit in formal meditation, then we're running on the, the old stories. We're running on what we know, what's familiar, what's, um, what's, yeah, what's familiar. So we're, we're still operating within the same little world. And in meditation, you know, every now and again, we get these experiences that are like, whoa, what was that? You start to, the mind suddenly opens up and like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. And, or it's suddenly completely silent and still. And it's like, wow, that's so beautiful. I just, you know, it's when, when all of the chatter stops. When the stories cease for a while. So the form of meditation is essential to get a different perspective, a greater perspective on uh, everything. <laughs> and it only takes a glimpse, actually. It's like peeping through the curtains and seeing that there's a whole world out there. And like, oh, I didn't realize. Or a whole universe. So, you know, the importance of breaking down the solid story of me and mine, the solid perception of this body is who and what I am, the tight grasping of views and perceptions and thoughts. You know, holding tightly to a view is and it can feel quite good, actually. It can feel quite good. It can feel really strong and powerful and right. But it's extremely limited. And it's uh, limiting us from in a much more beautiful, vast, open perspective. So there's also this teaching that I so appreciate in the Satipatthana, where the Buddha invites us to notice, you know, it goes through... To, all of the, all of what we call me and mine, and, the, and then he says, notice what is in. So notice, for example, notice earth element inside, earth element outside, earth element both inside and outside, and seeing that's just simply earth element. And the same with 
with, with all of the elements and with uh, the body, feelings, of mind, of mind objects internally, and getting to know them internally and externally, both internally and externally. So we can do that, that can be, you know, with, with each other, my body here, your body there, my mum's body going through its process next in the room next door. And, you know, it's like, yeah, each of us, we're in a different, you know, the bodies are separate. They're, they're you know, going through, a, we're in different stages, let's say, in our life. And yet the body, the nature of the body is the nature of the body. It's shared, the same. And so then there's a sort of softening, can be, of, of that uh, fear or pride or, or um, grasping around this body that I call me and mine. And then feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. You, know, you can see you can see when somebody's experiencing a pleasant feeling. My mum has a cat here called Mr. Tibbs. It's very obvious when he's experiencing pleasant feeling, <laughs> when he's experiencing unpleasant feeling. You know, I don't understand cat language, but he communicates that pretty well. Neutral feeling. It's quite a lot of that going on. A lot of sleeping by the radiator. So we can see it internally. We can experience the, you know, these feelings internally, and then we can see them externally too. And it's like, oh yeah, that's what it is. It's just that pleasant feeling. It's like that neutral feeling. It's like zoned out. It can be. It doesn't have to be. Sorry, that's not right. It doesn't have to be zoned out, but often it is. And uh, you know, painful feeling, furrowed brow, and tightened shoulders, whatever it might be. So we see it internally, and we see that externally, and then it, we see that that's, that's just how it is. It's just feeling. And that encourages us to soften, to loosen the, the tight sense of identity of me and mine. And then the, the mind also. We all, obviously, we all have a mind. And the mind can be tight or it can be spacious. And uh, it's something also I'm exploring at the moment. You know, it's like, where does that begin and end? Where does this mind begin and end? Is it just squashed into this little head here? Or is it like to the edges of the room? And what happens when this mind gets is met by another person's mind, a different mood, a different uh, different uh, yeah, different mood, I suppose it is, how that how that affects my mind. And so it's just interesting to explore these things because they break down this very solid separate me and mind story. The mind can be vast, limitless, and it can be terribly small and tight and all sorts of things in between. But when we're present, when we're fully present, when we're resting in the present, it starts to open up. It's a, there can be a brightness that starts to open up. The clarity starts to settle. An opening. It's not something we can think 
ourselves into. We can't make it happen. It's more like when we let go of the thinking, we make a bit of space around the thoughts and the stories, then there's a greater spaciousness. It's beautiful. It's always accessible if we remember to look once we've found it. And then the objects of mind and the, the thoughts, whether they're connected with the, the hindrances or whether they're connected with the awakening factors, you know, whether they're leading to greater obscuration or greater clarity, really. That's what it's about. And getting to know, you know, what's what's what are we letting where where are we letting our mind go? You know, what are we cultivating at any moment? And sometimes, like, you know, sometimes we have to cut a little slack, you know, for this time I just really need to, you know, indulge. And that helps me get through this challenging time. And then when things settle a little bit, okay, I'm going to drop that now. I'm going to rise up, going to sharpen up. So it's also using discernment. We're getting to know, I mean, I think I particularly want to point to spaciousness, being aware of spaciousness. I think as long as we stay in a small, tight story of self, it's very difficult to, um, well, it gets, it gets tighter. And so it's, it becomes like a knot that's hard to undo. So to find whatever space you can. So right now, there is space around you, space above you, space between us. And just to take a moment, space inside as we breathe. Just taking a moment to experience that, to soften into that. To breathe in and out of that. And the spaciousness allows a certain unraveling. We unravel the stories don't have to go through the, all of the stories, but we just allow it all to soften and open. And in that opening, it allows for some transformation. So if we don't soften, if we're still, if we've if we're fixed on a view or a story or a strong sense of self, right, me and mine, we're kind of stuck. And when we make a bit more room, then we allow for things to transform. And sometimes, you know, we have to grieve the loss of what we've held on to, what we've believed was ours. 
Sometimes that's the right thing to do, to grieve and feel and let go. And then at the other end of grief, there is acceptance, being with things as they are. And sometimes we have to love our way out of the old story. It's a you know, tight, it's a story of hurt or resentment or fear. And love is a powerful transformational quality. And again, it brings us closer to reality. I think I'm going to stop there. I'm not sure how clear any of that was, but uh, I'm going to end there and stop the recording and invite just uh, any questions or comments.